lot. I, I would have to say, Kevin Barker, on balance, that those uh, three games against the Boston Red Sox, if you're a Jays fan, you've got to be pretty content with the fact that your team took th- two or three from the Red Sox. You didn't have Teoscar Hernandez. You don't have Danny Jansen. And yesterday you had George Springer uh, relegated to bench duty. And yet there you go. Two or three from the Red Sox. You beat Tanner Houck. Who's is 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 a nasty. really is nasty. He is. Uh, you know, you had a close game with Nathan Yavaldi. I mean, if I'm looking at the Jays where they are right now, going into that this weekend's series against the Astros, uh, I I mean, I, I have to tell you, all my questions about pitching, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but all my serious questions about pitching surrounding this team. They've basically been answered in the affirmative. Yeah, I think it gets back Very to... Very strange, because now we're, we're talking about runners in scoring position, which, you know, at, at no point that I think that would be a big deal for this lineup. Yeah, well, it gets back to, it's all about starting pitching. You get good starting pitching. It, it sort of hides the Zach Collins of the world hitting cleanup for you in Fenway <laughs> yes, Park. Like, you know, to, to be a, a Blue Jays fan and, and to do what we... We do, and to actually remember a time where the Blue Jays went into Fenway Park and and didn't have a legit cleanup hitter or didn't have everybody healthy and, and raring and ready to go. It would go have to be September with, there when, you go. when a lot of people play in the outfield at Fenway Park <laughs> in it. September that shouldn't be in the outfield that, at oh, Fenway. You know, I appreciate that. I know. Yeah, you know yeah well, that, that was in Yankee Stadium. I, I, I took some heat over that. Oh, it was Yankee Stadium. It was Yankee Stadium. Well, Fenway's where you hit Park. a bomb. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, occasionally they'll put me in there. When when somebody else can't play, uh, it's you know, I, look, it's I, I think if you if you walk away and think big picture, you you think that now that you know a couple of your big guys go down, they mm-hmm. have enough in other parts of the game to make up for it. And the starting pitching, look, they what they've done is it's the the way we were talking coming out of the short and spring training, the way they looked the first time through, yep. other than a couple of guys looked yep. like they were. You know, Manoa and, and, and Gosman look Gosman looked decent. Manoa looks like Manoa is going to look the rest of the year to the way it is now. Like, I just, the adjustments they make, the, you know, the, the quality of their stuff, how can you argue it? I mean, we have seen or we saw in this series, Jose Barrios and Kevin Gosman, look, they're not, they are not at their best. That is clear. Jose Barrios's command was off a bit. They are not at their best yet, but we have seen those two guys against a Red Sox team, Kevin. I mean, they, they, they have, they have, I think, given us an early indication about how strong this rotation can be going forward. That start yesterday by, by, by Kevin Gossman, and we've got to talk about that right out of the gate. That start yesterday by Kevin Gossman, eight innings pitched, Seven hits, eight strikeouts, 88 pitches thrown, 70 strikes. Came out to start the ninth inning, gives up a single, and then they, they bring Jordan Romano in. But, yo, you broke down the numbers for me. I just want to run through this for people. Seven singles, 21 of 28 batters. He went, got strike one, 17 swing and misses, and lefties were 0 for 11 with a couple of double plays off him. Um, and that is against a guy... Kevin Gossman, who last faced the Red Sox in 2018. So we've talked about how he has changed completely as a pitcher as a result of his move to Cincinnati and then to uh, – was it Cincinnati or Atlanta? It was Cincinnati, Atlanta. wasn't it? Atlanta. And then to uh, – and, and then on to San Francisco. 
Um, you know, I, I mean, Kevin, that, that watching him pitch yesterday, an 11 pitch first, an eight pitch third. Yeah, he didn't have an inning where he threw more than 15 pitches. But that was like, that was like what you see sometimes in June from a starter. It almost seemed like midseason form from a starter. You know, compared to what, compared to Barrios, compared to everything else we've seen, that looked to me like what I'd get from a guy in June. Yeah, how much how much is the the elevated strike going to help him too? He, he didn't really have that yesterday. He had four elevated strikes. But he didn't really have to. Well, I mean, I think <laughs> later in the season, once guys start feeling the split finger, the change up, right. when he wants to throw them, you know, he, he likes the slider now. He's going to need that to, to, you know, keep him a little more straight up and down than diving out of the plate trying to do something with the split finger or the changeup. Uh, yeah, it's I, – I don't – you know, when I look at him and the mechanics and, and where he sets up in the rubber, he's a he's a big aim guy. He He's not trying yeah. to nibble. He's he's going to aim for the big part of the plate. Be Just where he sets up on the rubber, he's in the middle of the rubber, which is for me, you know, when you're seeing guys move to one side or the other because of one pitch that they really – want to make it look like a strike. He's not doing that. He he wants all four of his pitches to start in the middle of the plate. Now, his fastball, he'll he'll throw that where he wants to go occasionally to get ahead. He'll use his changeup away to lefty. Maybe he'll throw that when a, when a guy's on his fastball to a righty. He'll throw an occasional changeup. But it's mainly, I'm aiming big part of the plate. I'm trying to get swing and misses because all four of his pitches look exactly the same. And that little quick thing that he has, you know, you can picture what he does with his little, uh, you know, he taps his toe a couple of times, and then the quick knee raise that he has, that for me would be hard to repeat. To, right. to actually not be late with the baseball and releasing it here, because what's the goal is to make all of his pitches look exactly the same. It's got to come out of the same slot. Right. Like you don't want a breaking ball to, to be behind your body where the, the ball's coming out on top to where you can actually tell that if you're hitting, now everything's out in front and repeat that. You know, his stride, I would think his stride occasionally be too long. And when it's too long because Ex of how quick. Explain he, that. He, well, Explain how, that. Well, how quickly he raises his leg, that's almost impossible to do that and land almost in the exact same spot all the time because you're playing catch-up. Well, everything you do on a baseball field, if you do it in a hurry, you're playing catch-up with something. And, and hit pitchers. For me, or the one part I know when I was trying to hit, I wanted to be under control. I wanted to be methodical. Pitching's no different. And you see a guy that got a little herky-jerky in his leg kick, that for me sometimes would tell you that maybe he's trying to play catch-up with the with the arm and the elbow, and a lot of pitches would, would start behind his head instead of everything out front. And that's just for him to have the slider that he had yesterday, for him to have the change-up that was straight just trying to take the sting out of a bat – and then have big target with the split finger and making it all look the same. That'll tell you how much confidence he's got in his mechanics, and he's repeating that over and over and over and over again. And I just don't – other than the elevated fastball, I, you know, I, I think every time these guys go out, they want to work on something to get better at something. How do you do that? Or is it just I go in and I try and repeat that every single time? Maybe that's where he's at. It was impressive to say the least, and we thought we thought we might even see a complete game, which would have absolutely blown me away. We thought we might have seen a complete game. Uh, Charlie sending Kevin Gossman out into the ninth inning gives up a, sig a single to Trevor's story. They go to Jordan Romano. Romano hadn't pitched since Sunday, I believe we said. 
I don't think he pitched in the first two 17th, games. 17th. 17th is the last time 17th. he pitched. So he had three full days off. Three full days off, coming in with a man on base. And, I, yeah, closers need to be able to pitch with men in base. But I think most managers would tell you that they would like their relievers to, if possible, to start with a clean inning. Gives up a walk to Devers, gives up a double to Bogarts, then gets three ground ball outs. One of them a really nice, really nice play by Matt Chapman. Were you at all surprised that they sent Gossman back out there? Like, let's talk about the decision because I know there were people on, and I think you brought this up. If you're going to send him back out there, then leave him out there. 88 pitches, you would think so. You would, yeah. You know, give him two batters, I suppose. You know, my point was, or not my point, but it would have been the fourth time through. You're facing Devers and Bogarts. Two guys that really scary in that lineup. Um, you still would have been okay with that, though, based on the and 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 Bogarts, to his credit, had singled off of had singled off him twice. Now they weren't. I don't believe they were scalded shots by any stretch of the imagination, but he was two for three off of Gossman. Yeah, we, we talk we talk a lot about uh, hitters that we don't talk a lot about. Bo, uh, Bogarts, Bogarts is one of those is guys. Terrific. Like he does everything exactly the way a hitter's supposed to. If, if you're throwing him away, he hits the ball away. If you're throwing him in, he can get the head out and hit a ball off the wall, that little short porch and left. He's got a little something for every yeah. pitcher. He can hit velocity. He can hit the the strike the ball slider, which is a huge deal now. You know, pitchers are throwing sliders more than they ever have early in the season. Uh, I, I think whatever I saw, Petey, and I, I saw Vladdy trying to push the pitching coach and the manager away from yeah, I saw Gosman. That. that was funny. Saying, get away he needs to go out and do it. They were overthinking it. And when you start overthinking right. it, you, then you start making decisions that maybe you don't are, aren't really don't really have a lot of conviction in. And I think that's a little bit what happened. It, it's more big picture. It's about winning the game yeah. and also thinking big picture. I, I don't I, I I went back and forth in that decision. I I I didn't mind sending Gossman back out there, but at the same time I've seen enough baseball and we've all seen enough baseball to know that closers do need work. Like it, it, there's a fine line, right? We always talk about not overworking your bullpen, but you can also underwork your bullpen. And I wouldn't, and this is where I thought I might've gone to Romano right away. I'm not certain I'd want to go into Houston with Jordan Romano, not having, not having pitched for four days. You know, I, I've, I, I don't know. Maybe that's just, I tried to Maybe go back, that's just me. I tried but. to go back and look and see if I, I had seen Jordan Romano throw 98, 90, 99 miles an hour this year. I have not seen that. I, it's been more 95, 96, occasionally 97. Right. And it's more consistently 95. That, that'll tell you that mechanically he's just not there yet. Now, well, he can, they, he can uh, hump up and, and give you the 97 elevated when he needs it with two strikes. But we talked about this last year when he came in. Now, I'm, he's had a good, really good start to sure his he season. He's doing some things. That gets back to your point a little bit more of I think you have to give him a clean inning most just, of the, if not all the time. Yeah, and I mean, he's like, again, he would not be the first, he wouldn't be the first reliever to prefer. I think if you asked any pitcher, they'd rather start with a clean inning and be able to work out of the out of the windup. There, there is there is a little bit when I talk to I pitchers. Know, I don't know if it makes much difference when for I him talk wind to, up stretch. Well, but. when I talk to high lever, he is a he's a nothing but a stretch guy. Yeah, that really doesn't apply to him. It's more of you start aiming it because you you want to pick your buddy up. 
right. when you're coming in the game, especially high leverage guys. You're you're a high leverage guy for a reason because you got nasty stuff, and they expect you to get everybody out. Not not some of the people, all the people, and you tend to aim. And for me, yesterday it just looked like him coming in with a runner on. He was aiming the slider. I'm trying to get it over. I'm not trying to eliminate you with it. Right. That for me is not what I want from him. And I, look, the result was there. They got out of it. The uh, Jays will begin a three-game series in Houston tonight on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, and Sportsnet. And uh, Kevin and myself, there will be no Blue Jays talk tonight. We'll be back on Sunday after Sunday's game for Blue Jays talk. And uh, it should be an interesting series. It's the first time George Springer will have gone to Houston. He was, of course, hurt last year when the Jays went on to play the Astros. The Astros will not have Jose Altuve in the lineup. He is on the IL with a hamstring injury. Um, and uh, we'll be joined by Mike Stanton, their studio analyst, in a few minutes to get a breakdown on the Houston Astros. I want to talk about what we saw out of the Jays' lineup over these three days at Fenway. No Tay Oscar, no Danny Jansen. And as we mentioned, George Springer was relegated to bench duty yesterday after getting, after getting hit by a pitch. So we saw a whole lot of Rymel Tapia. We saw Bradley Zimmer. We, we, we saw a lot of, of Kevin Biggio in this series. And I want to talk a bit about Tapia and the game he had yesterday. He led off a couple of singles, scored a run, made a terrific throw to, uh, to, uh, to, to catch uh, Christian Vasquez at second base. Terrific throw, and as you pointed out, a really good tag by Cato uh, on the play. You know, we saw... Rymel Tapia earlier in the series, that, that whole thing where there were runners on first and second and he, he tried to bunt and then stopped bunting at three and one. We now find out that he was doing it on his own, that it wasn't put on by the manager. Mm-hmm. And basically, Kevin, the Jays' philosophy, and this is important because guys like Tapia are going to be, are, are going to find themselves in important positions this year. The Jays' philosophy is basically... If you see somebody bunting really early in a game, that's a, that's a, the hitter's call. And Charlie wants the hitters to have that freedom to do that, you know, providing it makes sense. Uh, but in general, Tapia to me kind of, he was a sublime presence in that game. He was at the center of a lot of stuff, or in that series. He was at the center of a lot of stuff that went on, and he had that that 400-foot home run as well, 424-foot home run. He, he struck out in his first at-bat. I liked his first at-bat. He got to 1-2. He saw five more pitches. He struck out. That yeah. that gives the guy standing on the on-deck circle. When, when you got a guy on the mound who is a giant human, who's 6'5", who's got a little sidearm crossfire, who stands on the first base side of the rubber, who lands on the third base side of the rubber and is throwing that crossfire, those amount of pitches will show the on-deck circle guy. Now, you know, Bo struck out on some some fastballs, but at least you can sort of stand over there and get a little bit of timing and and try and see, you know, what's the life on it? What's the fastball look like? Is it getting on him? Is it does it look like he's timed it up? That'll get you to where you you know what you have to do when you walk to the plate. I like his level swing. That that for me is the one thing that will say he doesn't have to play every day. Now I don't think it, he can sit over there for three days in a row. I, I do think they have to get him some consistent playing time to get him in the rhythm of the game, just because of the wider stance, the open stance, the toe tap. There's some movement there. It's not mm-hmm. a simple swing, but it is a level swing because he is thinking more hitting ground ball and hitting the bottom part of the ball, which creates line drives. 
I, which I kind of like that, hitting at the bottom of the order. I do like that he went first to third two times. Now, that sounds simple. He went first to third on a ball to left field. That's a big deal. Ball right in front of you, you feel confident enough your base running, cutting the angles at second base, that you can actually do that, and you've made your mind up soon enough that you think you're fast enough, even though the it's hit to the left field. And even in Fenway Park, I do like that part of it. Doesn't have a very strong arm. Got to be careful. Can't be putting him in right field a ton. Put him in the left field in parks that you can hide that part of it. Now, he did make a really good throw. Coteau. He made a nice play off the wall, too. He did. He played that exactly. That will tell you that, you know, they're they're doing their homework yep. before games with guys that aren't used to playing there a ton. That when that, just playing the ankles, angles, because that 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 wall is angled more towards the outfield. So, it has an angle of... You know, you know, it's not straight across. Not so straight. when the ball hits it, it's not going to fall straight. It's going right. to have an angle to it's it. Have an angle. You have to understand that. You, you know, you have to run out there and have the coach hit fungos off that, so you see which way the ball is going. I like that. You could tell he did that the way he set himself up, and and it was. I get it. I throw it. It wasn't a lot of wasted movement. Put himself in the right position to throw a strike. I like the Cato thing, and that's a simple thing of a tag. But how many times do you see a a base runner who slides who slides around the tag because you see a lazy tag? A lot of people think you just lay your glove in front of the bag and let the guy slide into it. It doesn't work that way anymore because the rules and the way they can slide around the bag mm-hmm. and, and the way most people slide head first. Now, Vasquez, I believe, went feet first. Right. What I lo- love about the Coteau thing is he received a throw, put it, and saw that Vasquez's leg was straight and jabbed at it. Well, his his tag was a jab. He didn't, it wait, for him. He didn't wait for him to come to him. Because when you float to come to him. your tag is when that guy can either pause his slide and then do the little foot around, and, and, and then you start to see the, run, yeah. the, the tagger trying to do all the things that he does with his hand. I just love that little. It's just a little thing. Yep. But when you go into Fenway Park, it's the little things yes, it is. that can get you a win. And... You know, these role players, the role players have to step up and do the little things. It's not always about getting hits, and it's about that little, one little tag that can get you a key out, get your pitcher off the mound where he can go a little bit deeper in games. Puppy is a role player. It's funny because you look at this series, and there were the two errors that Bo made in that, that middle game uh, that, that, frankly, those two errors, the, the second error cost the Jays the game mm-hmm. Uh with the usual caveat that they weren't getting any hits with runners in scoring position either. But by and large, the defense in this series as well, because it is true when you go to Fenway Park, I I know people think it's a cliche, but when you go to Fenway Park, you don't want to give away extra at-bats. You just don't. The more times the ball is in play at Fenway Park, the greater chance there is that bad stuff is going to happen. You've been in Fenway. You've been in Fenway Park a ton of times. It's, there's so many different angles in that park. And there's and and there's a lot of funky stuff like the wind we saw with Matt Chapman. It it's just it can be a difficult it can be a difficult ballpark to play in. Mm-hmm. But by and large, their defense behind the pitching, those two double plays yesterday, again, Matt Chapman's play uh, in in the ninth inning. They I have really been impressed so far at how this team seems to be able, Kevin, to limit their mistakes. And considering the the type of teams they're facing in the American League East, because we talked about it, the Yankees aren't particularly athletic. The Red Sox are not a great defensive team on the left side of the infield. 
That is something that I think the Jays can hang their hat on going forward. I think strong defense can make a real difference in the American League East this year. Good, them, I really do. Good, good teams own it and move on. You, you notice, Bo, whenever they stuck the microphone in his face, yeah, yeah, I messed up. I'm, it was not going to happen again because I'm going to go out and work on it. Now, would I love to see him set his feet and throw a little bit more of a strike to first base? Absolutely. I, I, me throwing on the run, there's a lot of things got to go right all the time. Like right. you, you, the aim of just your throw to first base, you have a strong enough arm to do that? Maybe. Does he have an accurate enough arm to do that all the time? Because if you're going to do that, you better do it right, not most of the time, all the time. And it just seems like you could do all the time more if you set your feet and and, and finish towards your target. But I just like the way they own it. They, they own it. They go out and work on it. Louis Rivera is one of the best infield coaches. We rarely, ever, if ever, talk about him. He's one of the best salesmen. Talk about Pete Walker and why he's so good. Because he's a good salesman. He's a good salesman. You, you, say yeah, Kikuchi, you say Kikuchi well, made an all-star team last year doing it one way. He's totally different this year. Why? Because Pete Walker knows how to sell it. And, and that's when you have established guys who are getting paid and you have superstars in the making and the Vladdies and, and the Matt Chapmans and the, and the Bo Bichettes, you got to be a good salesman, and, and the coaching staff is is doing a really good job of being able to say, okay, you did that this day. Let's not do it again. Let's forget about it. Walk away because we're going to go to the field early the next day and work on it and figure it out. That That's what good teams do. A couple of things I want to throw out about the Blue Jays pitchers as well. Our friends at Sportsnet Stats dug up a number yesterday that intrigued me and I'm sure would probably bring a smile to Pete Walker's face. I'm sure he probably knows it. The Jays went into last night's game or yesterday's game throwing 136 pitches per game, which was the lowest in the majors. If you look at the Jays' bullpen as well, including last yesterday's result, um, or I should say going into yesterday, their, their whip was the second best in the AL at 0.95. Their opponent's batting average against was third at 190. Their ERA was seventh at 298. And... We have seen this bullpen, Kevin, put together runs of scoreless innings in games. So this gets back to what I said. Coming out of your first series against the Red Sox and the Yankees, you've got to feel pretty good about where this team's pitching is right now. For, in particular. Hitting's going hitting's to come. The hitting will come. We all know that. It'll, come when, get, well, the it'll come when Teoscar gets back. The, right. the other, there's going to be some dudes pressing and trying to do too much, and that's why you'll see the little – Peaks and valleys with with the hitting. I I just like Kevin Gosmer for example. You, you wonder how you go deeper in games. He, he faced four batters in an inning, mm-hmm. three times yesterday out of the eight innings that he went, and all the other times were, were obviously three batters. He only threw fifteen pitches one time in one inning, and that was the eighth inning of yesterday's game. For me, the one thing that will stand out is the ability to throw a secondary pitch early in counts for a strike. If you can do that as a hitter. The, the game's changed. You know, for most guys now, I know a lot of the guys are starters. Like you say, Kikuchi, they want fastball usage because of the life, the late giddy-up on it, and the, and the crowding the right-handed hitter. He's, he's a different guy. But a lot of these guys coming out of bullpens can throw a secondary pitch early in the count, and now you start to see hitters stepping out going, now what? What, what do I do now? Because it puts doubt in that hitter's mind. You have a decent game plan walking up that you want to try and do, whether it's you split it in half, you split it in thirds, you're giving him this side of the plate, you don't worry about the pitch, you worry about the where it's out on the plate, whatever the plan would be, and then you got a guy out there who can spin it, Gosman, who can throw a first pitch changeup, who that's his third or fourth best pitch. That all of a sudden gives you something else to think about, and that's, for me, early on at least for 
a consensus throughout, I think, to the pitchers of the Blue Jays. They're doing a really good job with secondary pitches. I want to throw out a couple of uh, stats here from Chris Black, one of our Blue Jays producers, about Kevin Gossman. Uh, Kevin Gossman's strike percentage at Fenway Park was 79.5. His strike percentage in the game at Yankee Stadium was 80.7. It's the highest strike percentage in a game since 1988 by a Blue Jays pitcher since pitchers have been tracked. So 1988, they've been tracking pitchers. So that's, that's, that's one thing for Kevin Gossman there. Um, in fact, if you look at the highest strike percentage by visiting pitcher at Fenway Park or Yankee Stadium since 1988, again, when these things were tracked, Kevin Gossman is the two highest, the one at Yankee Stadium, the one at Fenway Park. Yeah, for me, the, the catchers have called a good game with him. His secondary pitch, you know, he's, he's starting to add the and wrinkle minimum, of the slider. Sorry, minimum 80 pitches. Yeah, he's, he's added the, the, the slider to give that hitter something else to think about. When you can throw multiple pitches for strikes, it not no matter what the speed is, you can work both sides of the plate. I'm not saying he's working all quadrants of the strike zone because he's not. He's aiming big. And because of all the movement and the mechanics that I explained earlier in the show, he can repeat that, and everything out front looks the same. And if I'm hitting off him, and he's got that little herky-jerky quick thing, and I think i got to get it ready a little quicker because of that, and I'm having a real tough time of telling the difference between all those pitches. Look, if he, if he gets the elevated thing down pat i mean how good can he be then mike stanton is a houston astros studio analyst he's also a three-time world series champion as we mentioned the jays face the astros the first of three games tonight on sportsnet 590 the fan and sportsnet it'll be ross stripling against justin verlander we'll talk to mike stanton about verlander about the astros and about this Jeremy Pena guy that we're going to be hearing an awful lot about. Looks pretty good. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and English. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So this run of difficult games for the Blue Jays will continue this weekend as they play a three-game series against the Houston Astros in Houston. Then it's back home to face the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Astros. Not in that order. I think it's Red Sox, Astros, Yankees, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, a difficult run of games, to say the least, for the Blue Jays out of the gate. You know, the good news is that there are all those games against the Baltimore Orioles rattling around there someplace that, that will come up. But um, so far, you'd have to say that the Blue Jays have done a pretty good job keeping body and soul together without Teoscar Hernandez uh, coming off that series win in Boston. Tonight, well, tonight's a challenge. They're going in to face the Astros, and they're going in to face Justin Verlander, who has a pretty decent track record, pretty decent history against the Toronto Blue Jays. Let's bring in Mike Stanton. He's a Houston Astros studio analyst and three-time World Series champion. Mike, thanks for joining Kevin and myself. Um, I've, I'm, I've caught a bit of one of Justin Verlander's starts. 
it looks to me like he's kind of the Justin Verlander we were seeing a couple of years ago. Now, I understand it's early days and everything, but what is your read on 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 what you've seen from him so far early in the season? I tell you the truth, he looks like he's in mid-season form without ever going through surgery. You know, last year he had said, or two years ago, he had said that he was going to be back to help the Astros at the end of the 2021 season. And I think he was pretty close, but it didn't, it didn't happen. And I think the beneficiary of that, that extra rest, that extra time, well, are the Astros and Astros fans that I, you know, I think he was, since he was pretty much done with his rehab at the end of the season last year, he had a regular off season. And, you know, it was like over 600 days since the last time he started. And, and, you know, because even the, even the, uh, even because of the CBA negotiations, you know, that kind of pushed everything back even a little bit more. And he looks great. You know, his first start, he did not, um, you know, he couldn't find his slider, which that's really been his, his key off speed pitch, uh, since he's been an Astro, uh, he didn't, uh, he he couldn't find that. He made the adjustment, went to the curveball. The curveball was outstanding. Uh, you know, fastball location wasn't great, but you know, he just battled through a good, strong five innings of one-run baseball. Last time out, he threw the ball just about as good as we've ever seen Justin throw the ball. He had everything going, and uh, a, a little a little stat that uh, they came up with. He was the first major leaguer since 1997 when Greg, Greg Maddox was facing the Yankees that he went uh, at least eight shutout innings, striking out eight with less than 90 pitches. He threw 88 pitches. I mean, it was a, it was a special, special start. Uh, he gave up three hits. So, yeah, he's, he's, just looked like, he's just looked like, you know, good old JV that the Astros have known to to come and love over the last couple of seasons. Mike, how's the how's the conversation is going between him and the organization, Dusty Baker? Is it you're getting the ball every five days, or do you think they're going to have to skip him a start, maybe give him a day off, a day extra to rest? How do you think they're going to handle that? Because if they have him in September and going into the playoffs, that's the goal. But how do they get sure. him there? No, they, they're absolutely going. No, he's not getting the ball every five days. At least not probably for the first half of the season. I mean, they've already they've already done it. They've had some built-in off days that they could have skipped uh, a starter, uh, you know, the fifth starter or something like that, and they they didn't do it. They kept everybody everybody in uh, in line, so everybody's getting extra days. You know, with the shortened spring training with. Most of the rotation, the Astros rotation, throwing more innings last year than they ever have in their career. It's not just about Justin; it, it's really about all the guys. And so, uh, no, they're gonna they're gonna keep they're gonna hold him back. Uh, and I think he wants to also. You know, he 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 realizes that you know uh, he's thirty eight, not twenty eight. You know that he needs that extra time, and and it would be a ben- it would be a benefit instead of being the, the warrior that we know that he is uh, and trying to fight and, you know, go out there every five innings when he's just simply not ready to do that. Now we know that Jose Altuve is on the IL and he may be on the IL until the 29th when, when the, uh, the Astros are back are, are, are in Toronto for that series. Will Jeremy right. Pena be the leadoff guy in his absence? And, and what can you tell us about him? Because, 
I think there's a pretty intense spotlight on him given given who he's replacing. Dusty has talked about this in spring training, and it, it kind of made me kind of scratch my head. I'm like, mm, okay, you know, that's a lot of pressure about putting him in the leadoff spot. No, he didn't do it. Uh, he didn't do it until a couple weeks into the season when you saw, because you really don't know what a young player is going to do in the regular season. You know, how he's going to put up with the pressure. Uh, you know, it's been it's a the American League championship team. He's a rookie starting shortstop. So there's a lot of potential pressure in that situation, but he's handled it great. He really has. I mean, I thought defensively the first his the, fir, uh, the opening day against the Angels in California, uh, I thought that he looked a little tentative defensively. Since then, he looks like he's been there the whole time. I mean, def- defensively he's been he's been great. Uh, offensively, he uh, this guy I think has a chance of being a pretty good offensive player. So I I think he's going to be I think he's going to be just fine, and he very well may uh, be in that leadoff spot. You know, Jose's not really a leadoff hitter either. Yeah. Jose Altuve, mm-hmm. you know, he's up there kind of hacking at anything the the pitcher wants to throw. Pena's actually a more had just has a more disciplined ap- approach. Than, than Jose does, but I mean that's that's most of the league because Jose is so aggressive, right? Um, yeah, so he very well may be in the. I don't think Dusty. He's done it a couple times already, and I don't think Dusty has any qualms about putting him up there at all. Uh, hitting's down a little bit with the Astros. It's down with the Blue Jays. It's down throughout the entire league. Can you put your finger on why you think that is? You know, I, I think that. You know, I don't want to make excuses. I think pitching has been pretty good. I think pitching has been better than than we all expected, you know, because of the shortened spring training. But we all we, we say this every year that, you know, pitching is always ahead of hitting in spring training. And, you know, if if you look at the calendar, you know, we're just now getting out of spring training, or at least the timing of spring training. So I think hitting's gonna pick up a little bit. Uh you know, especially with with, with professional hitters you know, everybody's not Vladdy Jr. who <laughs> just seems like he can roll out of the bed and, and, and hit a rope off the wall. Um, you know, they, they need those they need those reps in spring training. They need to see pitches. They need to see breaking balls. They need to find their own timing and their load and all that good stuff. And and you know, one of the one of the concerns I had with the shortened spring training was not that you just didn't have as much time in spring training. What was the mental approach to the shortened spring training? Were you going to be, were you going to try and rush the process? And I think some guys did. I think most didn't, but I think some guys did. And, you know, I was uh, unfortunate enough to go through this in 1995 mm-hmm. after the 1994 strike. And so I had a, had a little bit of experience with this, but um, yeah, I think that it, I think you know, just pitching is ahead of hitting right now. I, I don't think there's any, you know, hitting has been going downhill the last several years anyways, mm-hmm. but I think that it, this is more just, you know, a product of, of things being a little rushed in the spring. Like, this is going to be a sort of a sort of an all or out and around question, but it's, it has to do with the baseball a little bit. I got to be honest with you. I haven't really noticed with the Blue Jays whether, you know, something's been done with the baseball, the humidor with all 30 teams. Like, you know, I think nine teams last year had a humidor. All 30 teams have it now. I don't. I, I haven't really noticed. You know, somebody lay you into one and it doesn't go out. Uh, have you noticed anything like that? On the flip side of that, you when you were talking about pitching, I have noticed a lot of sliders being thrown early in the season. C- can you tell me why that is? And maybe that has something to do with the 
to the the struggling hitters right now? Yeah, um, the the humidor. You know, there were some balls that both the Astros and the Angels hit in the in the series that they started the opening the opening series. They were in California. It was god awful hot. I mean, I think the the day two of the season it was like a hundred and three, which is crazy for April. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a couple balls that were hit that you kind of raised your eyebrows a little bit, but I think that was more just a product of of what was going on, you know, with the 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 the, the heat being um, kind of out of season and things just not being quite, you know, just being different. Um, I have not really noticed that there have been a whole lot of balls that should be going out that aren't. You know, one thing that the humidor very well may do is it may help the hitters or the pitchers get a little bit better grip on the ball, you know, Mm -hmm. because when you look at a humidor, it's not just about taking the humidity out. Sometimes it's about putting humidity in. And that's what happens in Colorado because in elevation that actually reduces the humidity in the ball. Um, as far as the sliders are concerned, uh, well, we the, the Astros just faced Shohei Otani uh, day before yesterday, and Shohei threw about almost 50% sliders mm. and had a perfect game through five. Here, here's the thing. This is absolutely something to do with the hitting, and this isn't anything new. You know, we all love to see guys go out there and throw 100 miles an hour. The problem is hitters can hit 100. Hitters have much have much more difficulty squaring up a ball when it's actually slower and it's curving. <laughs> so mm-hmm. especially when they're looking for something hard and straight, you know, so it's, it's, uh, I know that sounds overly simplistic, but that's why you don't see pitchers throw more than 50% fastballs anymore, you know, because hitters hit fastballs. I mean, it's been proven time and time again, when you can, when you can spin the ball and you can change speeds and make the ball break, it's way harder to hit. And that's why we see, you know, heck, I remember you know, years ago, go back to Justin Verlander. This was a guy that used to throw about 65 to 70% fastballs. He's a, he's a, he's a 50% fastball guy now, mm. maybe less than that, depending on the situation. So it's, it's, and this is across the league. This isn't anything new. Uh, but I think that's a huge reason why offense has been going down over the last several years is because hitters hit fastballs. They don't hit breaking balls. Mike, the Astros are six and six right now. What what has life been like without Carlos Correa, at least in the early going? You know, I don't think I think where they're missing Carlos or they've missed Carlos the mo- the most is probably I don't even want to say defensively because that's that's kind of a, a slam towards Pena. Pena's been Pena's been good, um, but you know, Carlos was an is an elite defensive player. I mean, he's a difference maker defensively. Offensively, I have always thought that he's gotten some big hits for the Astros, but I've always thought that, you know, he's an average offensive player. But I think where they've missed him, if they have missed him, where they've missed him the most is probably in his leadership, you know, off the field, in the dugout. You know, Car- Carlos, the last few years, really took a, a big step forward in that category. Uh, but um, I, I don't know if they've really missed him all that much, you know, they had, they did have all the spring training to kind of get used to him not being there. Uh, it was a little different when, you know, they started the regular season and now all of a sudden, you know, the fan base doesn't get to see Carlos, mm. but you know, I played on a lot of very good teams that had many, many players leave uh, periodically. And it's a little weird for, 
for a few minutes. But after that, you kind of just get used to it and you, and you move on. Yeah, it's interesting hearing you you say that because you did play on on World Series champions and and you know I, I remember talking to Ned Coletti or we talked to Ned Coletti about this. Gosh, I don't know how 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 long ago it was, but he was talking about in general in sports. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes you almost need a little bit of change to freshen things up. And I'm not saying that, obviously, you'd, you'd love to have Carlos Correa back, but his point was if you look at some of those Yankees teams, and you were on those, I mean, they did have a knack of kind of bringing different voices, different personalities into the into the clubhouse, yeah. didn't they, to, to kind of bring in a guy who's coming to the Yankees because he wants to win a World Series. That, that, that could be huge. You know, it's, it's the nature of the beast that we call baseball. You know, um, I know occasionally a player will leave, a fan base will be upset, and they'll talk about loyalty. Loyalty goes both ways. But in, in this day and age of where, uh, you know, free agency and, and you know, long-term contracts are a little bit at a premium now, we don't have nearly as many players under those, you know, six, seven, eight-year deals. Um, you know, rosters change. Yeah. You know, players, players, players move. That's and it and a lot of times it has a lot of times it's more to do with the organization than the player wanting to leave. You know, it takes two to tango. Mm -hmm. So, but it's just, it's just something that you know fans because of the emotional side of it. Um, you know, they, they have they have a stronger they have they have a, a stronger. Um, gosh, what am I trying to say? Feeling towards all this. Then where a player, you're like, man, yeah, we could really use Carlos Correa. But he moved on. The game goes on. You have to go out and try to win a baseball game. So, you know, players don't have that emotional that emotional tie to play other players really like fan bases do. Mike, it was really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much. Thanks, Mike. Hey, no problem, gentlemen. Take care. It's Mike Stanton, Houston Astros studio analyst. Some interesting thoughts on life after Carlos Correa, life with Justin Verlander. Look, Kevin, the, the, the Astros are six and six. Um, you know, in early days and everything like that. But I, I think there's a natural, it's almost natural for a fan base to see a core player leave from a team that has won World Series and has been a consistent World Series contender and wonder whether or not the window of opportunity is closing for that team. I don't see it with Houston personally because I think they've still got, obviously they've still got some terrific players. I really like their pitching and with expanded playoffs, you know, it's going to be, I, it's going to be awfully hard for the Astros not to, not to make the playoffs in the next couple of years. And of course, once you make the playoffs, anything can happen, but do you view the Astros right now as being not on the downside, not in the back nine or anything like that. But do you see that window of opportunity slipping away from them a little, just just a little bit? Yeah, I don't think so. I, I I think I see it more of they need to figure out how to get Verlander twenty five great starts because of the way the American League East. They is, are talking, by the way, of go, they are going to go to a six man rotation. That doesn't work for mention. everybody. We've seen the Blue Jays do that for yep, Ryu. That's, I that's mean, fair. Uh, most starters that are really good don't like that. Even Verlander, I know he's what 
his age is and how much he hasn't pitched the last couple of years. But you would think that routine of getting into the stuff's just better when I'm doing it every five days instead of every six days. Lance McCullers Jr., for me, has sort of eliminated the slam duck winning the West. And yeah. with, the, with the way the American League East is, if they're not winning the West, they it's can great. maybe that, not make the playoffs. That's actually a fair that's, – that's a fair point. With, that, with, that is a fair Se point. Seattle's coming. Like, they, they think they're good now, and they think they can stand up to – to the big bad Astros, that for me would be the one thing. I, if I'm an Astros fan, I'm a little worried about and not hitting. I, I get it; it's a small sample size, but that small ballpark—that's sort of what they could hang their hat on, year after year after year. Is they're just out bopping everybody. They're going to mm -hmm. score out, score more people because they're balanced and they just have quality hitters. I get it; small sample size, but how long is this going to go? And I mentioned that to Mike about you seeing a different way of pitching. And you look at the Blue Jays, they guess a lot. Maybe this is what the Astros are doing. Maybe they have to guess now because there's not a fastball count. Look at Gosman. He's a two-pitch guy who threw four pitches yesterday. If you're hitting against him, how do you have a game plan against it? That's the thing is now you're seeing a lot of trying to get educated guesses at the plate, and that's why, for me, you're seeing the wild swings, the missing balls by feet. And maybe that's why you're seeing – you know, averages way down and, and strikeouts up. And it's an, it's an adjustment now that, that hitters are having to make. If they didn't have to make as many because of the shift and the hard throwers and not seeing the starter as much, now you add this to the mix. In his, in his, if you're interested, in his last start on Saturday, he threw eight scoreless innings, 87 pitches over eight scoreless innings, Verlander. And this will be, this will be his first start uh, against the Jays since, since he no-hit them. September 1st, 2019. When I, when I hear Toronto. he's throwing a lot of sliders, he's throwing more breaking balls, that just screams me injury. I, I can control my... Injury my, or... or, or, or uh, your that elbow, he's still your coming shoulder. back. That he's still coming back. No, I, th I think the more you throw those, I would think when you're hurt, you can control your body and know where you want to throw a fastball a little bit more. You have to get that hmm. off-speed pitch so much out front to control it, to make it go where you want it to go, that your mechanics have to be that much better. It's I, They're doing it because it works and because it's very hard to hit. And because guys throw so hard, now you have to respect velocity that letting the ball travel. That's, that's not a thing anymore unless you have elite bat speed, and there's a handful of those in baseball. It's a, it's a game of adjustments, but maybe it's too it's, you're asking too much from hitters to always be adjusting. It's hard. Well, we're uh, we're lucky. We're going to be giving away uh, Blue Jays tickets throughout the course of the of the regular season uh, on this show, and uh, we've got four pairs of tickets to see the Jays and Red Sox at the Rogers Center next week. We'll give uh, the first pair away in the second hour of the show. So in about ten minutes, we want to hang in for that, as uh, not only will we entertain you with baseball talk, but Maybe send you to the game as well if you're lucky. Um, Kevin, the, the other thing that, uh, that Mike Stanton talked about with, um, with Carlos Correa's absence and, and you know, the absence of that, that, that leadership, one of the things I really got the sense about was that, you know, we all know about the Astros cheating scandal and different people handled it in different ways. Carlos Correa, I think, took a lot of the slings and arrows for a lot of those guys by being so 
He was the spokesman. Out front about it by being the spokesman. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Alec Bregman, a couple of other guys kind of sort of said things. George Springer's never really said anything. Carlos Correa really, he, he was like the, 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 the lightning rod for all of I got it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And I can see where maybe that, that gets to what Mike said about the leadership as well, that, that missing, missing thing in the clubhouse. I think I, me personally, that's not going to show up until September or October when, when playoffs come and, and you need that guy that's been there and done it before who he gets big time hits when it right. matters the most ball. He always back up hit the top by performance. Sure. On the field. The, sure. The, during the regular season, a lot of the times it's about you just out talent people. We got more talent than you and we're going to beat you a lot of the times that way it's, it's the hot team that you're facing in, in the in the playoffs that you need that guy, the spokesman, who can, you know, stand up and say we are struggling, but we got a good enough team to do our thing and and we're not gonna waste any time. That that for me is when he'll be missed the most. They still got a good team. Now the Lance McCullers Jr. for me is a bigger miss than Correa is. Really? I I think so. But pitching and defense wins championships. Look, He's look out at for it. And, days and you gotta you gotta get a you gotta get a People hot at the right time, a time, a couple of hitters, like the Braves, got a couple of guys that you would never think were going to get hot offensively, who did and carried their team, and then they just outpitched everybody. You get the, a couple of run leads, you knew it was over. So pitching and defense is going to win you championships. For me, the Lance McCullers Jr., you could, all of a sudden now you would have Verlander, McCullers Jr., and you could back everybody else up who now they just sort of fill in the blank, and they don't feel like they have to step up to the plate and be the guy. Now one of those other guys that – raised up and said last year that they were scared. Right. That's that, that yep. for me anyway is going to be a bigger miss than Korea. Uh we're going to be joined by Carlos Baerga in the next hour, former major league infielder who became an insider this offseason. Carlos breaking a couple of trade couple of trade stories. He is of course a longtime uh major league infielder and he's now broadcasting in uh, or doing media work I should say in Puerto Rico. So, Carlos Bayerga will join us next, and we're going to give away a pair of tickets. That's right, a pair of tickets to see the Jays and the Red Sox play next week. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, and if you're watching us on TV, on Sportsnet 360. 